It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, friends. Welcome to Catholic on Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation. As we come on the air today, it is three days before Christmas of 2021. And so we want to make sure we're getting you the very latest information on the current situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. But as I do that, I'd like to just reflect on 2021, if we could, because just about a year ago at this time in January, it's kind of a interesting contrast because January is when we saw a surge in hospitalizations and cases, but it was also the time when the vaccine became predominantly available around the region, around the country, and people were able to finally get some much-needed protection against the virus. That allowed uh, a bit of a dip back in the cases back into the spring as we moved into the summer. Uh, But then again came Delta. The months of August and September, we saw another explosion in cases due to the Delta variant. Increases in cases, hospitalizations, and worst of all, in deaths. And then as the vaccinations, the boosters came about and the the push to get people vaccinated came, uh, we, we, we started to see yet another positive sign of declines in cases as fall went. But then comes Omicron. And that's where we are today as we uh, get ready for the Christmas season. And amidst the Omicron variant that is upon us, in spite of uh, some downturn in the number of cases uh, we're seeing across the country, Omicron is predicted to uh, expand pretty quickly. So tonight, uh, we're going to get you the very latest with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District as we enter the Christmas, uh, literally the Christmas week and the Christmas holiday season. And Heather, with that, I guess as I as I kind of summarized quickly the past year, uh, what what did that bring to mind to you? You know, looking back to to a year ago, Jim, heading into the the Christmas holiday season, our by county positivity rates were up over seven hundred per hundred thousand for a fourteen. 14-day period of time, and that was combining both Benton and Franklin County together. And it was looking pretty grim, especially, you know, for hospitalizations, uh, how it was affecting our community, how it was affecting our students and our, our lives. And here we sit literally one year later, and the picture is very, very different. Benton County is at 149 per 100,000 for 14 days, and Franklin County is at 151. So again, um, we're still hanging in a plateau of about that rate for uh, quite a while now, the last few days at least. And I think it's important for people, again, like we've mentioned, let's look at, at multiple days in a row, not a sudden spike here or a sudden dip there. But it, what appears is it really has kind of hung at this plateau. So that's very optimistic considering where we were right before the holiday season last year. But Omicron, you know, can certainly be a game changer for us as we followed what's happened in other countries and certainly even here in our own United States where we're looking to the East Coast and seeing what is happening with Omicron uh, rates of infection and how it's affecting the, the medical system and, and the acute care facilities. And we certainly don't want to end up in that situation or the situation we were in last year 
but unfortunately with Omicron, the potential is certainly there, especially in a community with, you know, still pretty significantly low vaccination rates compared to some other communities in Washington state. So on one hand, we're being very um, optimistic and, and very happy with where our data is at today. But we also know that we have to get through this holiday season. We have to get through New Year's and on into January. And how we conduct our lives at this point will be reflected in what the data looks like in January. And knowing that we you know, certainly made the announcement that Omicron is here in the Tri-Cities. We announced last week the first few cases, and they do continue to um, be made known to us. So we know that that number is increasing, and we know it's certainly increasing on other parts of the state. So we would expect the exact same thing to happen here. And with Omicron, you know, the, the problem with that is it seems to be even significantly more transmissible than Delta was. And you do actually get, from what data shows, you do get sick a little quicker if you catch Omicron than you did with Delta. Um, it's just another reminder that we're going to need to do um, all those protective things we've been talking about for the last, you know, almost two years now through this next holiday season so that we don't end up in the situation that, you know, other parts of the United States are in. So the concern with Omicron, and I know everything, that's the challenge with all of this, is the data is just so preliminary and so new. But the, the concern seemingly be to be that, it, as you said, it's so contagious. I've also read some information that, uh, on a positive side, that that fully vaccinated individuals might not have the degree of, of infection or the get as sick as they might have otherwise, which I guess is a good thing. But but what, how does that translate just on what that does to the healthcare system? Still, I guess even if it is a lighter volume of of, of sickness you know, the contagiousness can be even a bigger challenge to, I guess, especially the healthcare community. You know, I'd say where that's going to become problematic is the workforce. And we need to look at our, our workforce, how well vaccinated. And even if you're vaccinated and you're symptomatic and you've tested positive for COVID, you really do need to stay home. We know that the vaccines, especially the if you get the two initial doses plus a booster six months later with the Pfizer or the Moderna, that seems to be your best bet for protection against Omicron. But even at that, as again, we've said throughout this whole pandemic, vaccines don't prevent sickness 100%, doesn't prevent you 100% from catching it. What it does do and data is very, very clear on this, is it does decrease your chance of having severe disease, which could lead to hospitalization. So we're really encouraging um, employers to take a close look at how they're going to plan ahead for this post-holiday uh, season uh, you know, rush of COVID infections that, that we anticipate will happen to what degree we really can't predict at this point, but we know it will happen and it will probably take its toll on the workforce. And that also it needs to be a big reminder for people. If you do get sick, you even though you're not feeling really, really sick, you need to stay home because you have something somebody else could catch. And maybe that person 
would not do well catching um, this this variant, and it could lead to severe illness and possibly death in them. So, you know, that message goes back to taking care of your neighbor as as we go through this holiday season. And I was going to say before we go to break is is the fact that it may not be as severe, which is a good thing. Um, that is good news, but you combine that with the fatigue that everybody's facing and just being tired of all these all these limitations placed on their lives, that that could be the challenge everybody faces is that they won't take it seriously enough. Right, and, and you know, we've seen the outbreaks happening with the high school athletics again. There's a, a huge outbreak with the wrestling tournament that happened. Uh, well over, I think last count we saw was about 360 infections as a result of that. Kids are going to be practicing through this holiday season. And so once again, we're asking people to take that little extra care, wear your masks, social distance, get tested, get vaccinated. And so I guess even in those cases at the wrestling tournament, would those be probably Omicron cases? Um, I haven't seen exactly what uh, variant they're blaming that on. Um, Probably a good part of it is the Omicron effect. But... You know, whether it's Omicron or the Delta, you know, the fact of the matter is you've caught an infection and you need to do your due diligence not to spread it to other people. And that is such an important message. You really need to to do the right thing and, and not expose, especially those vulnerable populations that tend to gather at the holiday season. Well, and the holiday season is what ground will cover in our next segment with Heather, how we can safely continue to enjoy it with our families, but at the same time protect ourselves from the virus that is upon us. Back with more of our conversation with Heather Hill right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Visiting with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District, and as we get ready to celebrate the Christmas holiday soon in the next few days, we want to continue our discussion on how we can safely enjoy it with our families uh, amidst this COVID-19 pandemic and the recent surge in what's called the Omicron variant. And Heather, I guess just a quick first question is, is what should people do and not do if, relative to gatherings during Christmas? Sure, Jim. There's a lot of really good advice out there um, that we've been reading and and practicing ourselves on how to to protect our our loved ones during the holiday season. You know, many of them we've talked about, such as keep your your, uh, group small. Uh, That way you have more room in your home to spread out. If the weather is right, have a gathering outside. Um, Go outside, enjoy some of the Time you can spend in your yard together, you know, barring any bad uh, weather that might blow in this time of year. But then some of the practical things that you can do inside the house. First of all, testing. We've stressed it and stressed it. And there are still some of the say yes to the COVID test.com test kits available. But it is so important you get your order in now because that is going to be running out within the next week or so. So make sure you get your your test kits ordered in. We know the Biden administration is going to be making some announcements about having um, access to in-home test kits after the first of the year. So we'll certainly have more information on that. 
And when you do the testing, we encourage people to test, you know, the day of your gathering. Because if you test negative, say, the morning of Christmas, you know that you're very unlikely to have virus that you're going to spread to others. And then if you're going to remain in these types of situations, test again um, 24 hours later and make sure that you are remaining negative. Uh, another thing you can do is open windows, you know, the ventilation. We don't talk as much about ventilation being important to stop the spread of COVID, but it certainly does. We know that when you're in a, a room with stagnant air and people are talking and laughing and visiting, there is a greater chance that that virus is going to settle on surfaces or be spread person to person in that environment. So getting a little fresh air is a very, very good thing. And then some of the, you know, the details I like to talk about is think about everything you touch in your house. So, number one, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. But then look at all the surfaces, those high-touch surfaces that everybody has their hands on in the kitchen. There's the fridge. There's the oven. There's the knobs to your stove. And then when you're watching TV, you've got all those remote um <laughs> the remotes that everybody is passing around or think about passing your your cell phone you want to share pictures and you hand your cell phone to somebody else i it used to be that we would put our phone up and people would look at it but i've noticed more and more we've gotten back to here handing somebody your phone to look at the pictures you're trying to share you know that is a great way to also spread germs so we need to keep that in mind and then when you're around the table you know, the, if, if you're putting the food in the middle of the table and you're passing the bowls around, again, that's a really great way to spread organisms. So you'll consider having a table off to the side where all the food is, and that way when you're sitting at the table and you're eating with your mask off, you're not likely to contaminate, you know, the, the serving spoons and the, the food items that are in front of you on the table. So, you know, some of those details can really make a difference on how healthy you end up after this holiday season. And, you know, not everybody is going to be willing to do all of these types of efforts, but if you pick and choose what you as a family are willing to do so you're at least doing some um, harm reduction, reducing your risk, and if you can reduce your risk even a little bit and stop some of the spread, then that's going to be a benefit to all of us in the long run. It's a, a little late right now to consider vaccine to protect us during this holiday season, but you know it's a, it's a great thing to even plan as a as a family. We're lucky in this community; we do have a lot of vaccine available, and you can go onto the Vaccine Finder website. You can come onto our website and look at where pop-up clinics are happening. But we're still pretty lucky in our community that we, we do have vaccine available. So great time to say to the whole family, hey, let's just go, let's go get our vaccine done and make 2022 look very, very different than 2021 has become. And I guess the last mention is on that testing. I know you touched on these at-home kits, but, but these two sites, the one in Richland and the one at the uh, CBC West area out near the Pasco Airport, are both very uh, available to get the, the those tests done as well. Right, and both of them have been doing a very good um, rate of, 
of testing, CDC did slow down a little bit, and the Richland site actually picked up a little bit. So we know both sites are being used um, very, very well. You know, we've been looking at the uh, positivity rate at these sites, and at our CBC West site over the last 14 days, about six and a half, just about six and a half percent of all the tests are positive, so that's a slight decrease. And then the um, walk-up one in Richland over the last 14 days, their positivity rate has gone up to about a 4.9 percent. And so that's just an ever so slight change from, from the previous data. But, you know, both sites are very good. The turnaround time is still very, very quick. But, again, consider those in-home tests and make a commitment to everybody in your family. And, and I'll just say it right now, that's what my family is doing. We have our in-home test kits ready, and we will all be, as a family, testing before we gather for our Christmas celebration and just to make sure that we're not bringing something into the household that is not going to be the best for our health. We have just a couple of minutes before we let you go, and this will be the last time we visit uh, for 2021 on this program. And And I want to thank you and the Health District and everyone who has been so willing to share and keep everybody up to date on the information uh, that's available because it is ever-changing, and I know that's frustrating for people and, and angers a lot of people, uh, you and I probably included. But I would like to have you maybe just reflect uh, from your standpoint on what this has been like to, again, to endure, but at the, and then conclude again with uh, those takeaway messages for all of us as we get ready to enjoy Christmas. Sure, Jim. You know, all of us who go into the profession of public health go into it because we're very, very passionate about our community. Our, our goal is for the people in our community to live the healthiest, best life they, they possibly can live. And sometimes the information that we gather and that we learn about and then we have to disseminate back to our population isn't very possible or isn't very popular. We have to talk about some very uncomfortable things to help mitigate the spread of disease. But, um, you know, the, the workforce here at Benton Franklin Health District over the last two years, I can honestly say, is a very hardworking, very passionate group of people who truly, despite some of the negative comments that do come in, um, are still really, really excited to be doing this kind of work for our community that we all care about so much. And if we could, uh, you got 30 seconds to, to re, 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 remind everyone yes. uh, what, we, <laughs> what we need to be doing this weekend, because it is, it is uh, very important. You bet. Wash your hands, small groups, test before gathering, um, sanitize those surfaces, cover your costs, and wash your hands again. And again, at this point, uh, make sure that uh, you do keep in mind that the perspective in all of this is you if you, if you feel frustrated, if you feel uh, irritated and, and upset about having to deal with this, I guess consider where we were a year ago. It was a lot more locked down, right? You better believe we were, and uh, we're in a much better place now, and I think a lot of us has learned how to handle this, and we're doing much better at taking good care of ourselves and each other. 
Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. Thanks so much. Have a great holiday. We'll talk in 2022, and we'll be back with the second half of Cadillac on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Catholic on Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation. And the Catholic Foundation, speaking of that organization, has been instrumental in a variety of ways of supporting the caregivers at Catholic Regional Medical Center and throughout the Catholic system over the course of the past days, weeks, months, and years in a variety of ways, whether it's to fund new equipment for healthcare services, help start new programs, whether it's to fund scholarships for aspiring healthcare students, or if it's to help keep the, the hospital campus and the the systems campus uh, safe, uh, that's another uh, role that the Catholic Foundation has p- played. And uh, we're happy now to uh, shift gears a little bit in our program and talk about a new addition coming to the Catholic Security Force. You may have heard over the last couple of years that Catholic has a security team uh, called Phil and Colonel, a canine team, where, where a, a trained uh, security officer named Phil Reams and his partner, Colonel, which is a German shepherd, uh, highly trained in helping uh, the security work uh, at the Catholic Regional Medical Center facility. And um, the news that has come out recently is that a second team will be deployed in 2022 at Catholic. And again, the Catholic Foundation has stepped up to help provide the funding for that. And we're happy to welcome to the program Jake Raleigh, who is the safety and security manager at Catholic. And Jake, uh, maybe for our listeners, first of all, talk a little bit about initially what it has meant to have Phil and Colonel, that canine team, on the premises at Cadillac, helping to uh, keep people safe. Uh, thank you. Well, good, good evening, uh, Jim. Um, so, yeah, when uh, Phil and Colonel came back from their uh, eight-week training uh, down in Alabama canine, um, it's, it's, been, uh, it's created a tremendous force in our de-escalation capabilities uh, within the hospital. Um, that was, and that was their primary intention of deploying a canine unit was to detect, deter, delay, uh, and de-escalate uh, any potential threats of violence within the, the hospital. Uh, and since then, um, we've seen drastic reduction in the, the workplace violence that we've seen um, in the, within the confines of the hospital. Um, just their presence alone begins a de-escalation cycle um, which is which is what we we fully intended for when we deployed the canine unit and uh there the the canine team is there to support our current uh, security team in how we how we keep our our patients our staff and our visitors safe safe at at the hospital um another component of their presence uh during their patrols is or whenever they respond to these these incidents it, they bring a really strong sense of calmness to to the, to the scene um, and also help with our caregivers um, during those highly stressful situations and help starts to de-escalate them as well and helps bring a, a sense of confidence back to them in, in their work environment. Um, so since they've been here um, uh, about two years ago, uh, I think it was November 11th, uh, 2019, was pause on ground. Um, since then, they've become tremendous partners and uh, within 
within the Cadillac security team and uh, helping us keep our our, uh, our folks uh, safe. And I was going to say that the role that that people play and and you know from a, a pure fact is that that healthcare environments can have challenges when it comes to workplace safety. And I've had it explained to me over the course of the years uh, because a lot of that has to do is when people come into the healthcare setting, uh, they're not having their best day for rightful reasons that they're sick or, or need some assistance. And so obviously that, that creates situations where there is potential for for that. But you touched on, on the fact that this is not only to protect the, the caregiver staff that works with patients on a daily basis at the hospital campus, but this is also to protect the the patients themselves and their family members, right, Jake? Oh, ab- absolutely, um, and and that's that's the wonderful part of having a highly trained and specialized uh, canine team. Is you know we have different ways to uh, ensure safety for our patients and uh, the visitors. Um, you know, one of them is is uh, you know our, our detection capabilities. We want to keep the environment safe for. Uh, for everyone on the grounds of the hospital. Um, in addition to that, you know, we also want to uh, have that, that show that compassion uh, whenever uh, we've had some, some patients and visitors that have a very difficult time where uh, Phil and Colonel have actually come in and saved the day just by saying hi uh, and really help that, um, that healing um, continuum within the healthcare uh, uh, environment to where they, in addition to just security, they they play another role in that, and has really um, highlighted how we how we deliver on providing that safe, compassionate care. A quick piece of information that that our listeners may not be aware of: the name Colonel, which is the German Shepherd's name, uh, was chosen by Catholic caregivers, Catholic employees, by a vote. And Colonel comes from Lieutenant Colonel Harry Cadlick who is the, one of the um, founding members of the Army Corps of Engineers back in the evolution of Hanford during the Manhattan Project in the early 1940s, which is where Cadillac got its name. Cadillac Hospital at the time, today Cadillac Regional Medical Center, was named after Lieutenant Colonel Harry Cadillac, who was one of the principal architects of coordinating all of the work surrounding the Manhattan Project. So that's where the name Colonel comes from, right, Jake? Oh, absolutely. Um and, and it was with actually a great honor that we were able to name the, our first canine unit Colonel uh, after Lieutenant Colonel uh, Harry Cadlick. And and as we go forward, you know, I know meeting Phil, meeting Colonel, and I think the key point that you touched on is just it's it's the presence. Obviously, this is a highly trained German Shepherd capable of doing what it needs to do, right? But the point is, I, I think the key point we should point out to our listeners is is that point just that that presence when they walk into a room and it may, as you said it, it 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 has a tendency to just even help bring therapy to the patient. Absolutely, um, and we've had some several uh, high risk situations that if Phil and Colonel were not there uh, would have gone south um, to where um, you know potential injuries could have occurred to medical staff, to our, our nurses, to our caregivers, and even our own security team. Um, however. Because just their presence alone, they were able to to help that that individual where they needed to be helped, and not really to where a human could have communicated as well as Colonel has. And we should point out, we touched on that the funding for Colonel and Phil was made possible through community donations 
through the Catholic Foundation, and the Catholic Foundation is stepping up for this second canine team. Give us an idea of when you expect that team to be going, where they will be doing their work, and, and what kind of training goes in real quickly in conclusion, Jake. Absolutely. Uh, so, yes, um, it is all due to the the making or bringing on a second canine team is all possible due to the, the gracious support of the Catholic Foundation, and we really couldn't do it without them. So the, the second canine team, we're, we're anticipating they will be coming on uh, towards the end of the first quarter of 2022. Uh, they will also be going through a, a rigorous eight-week uh, training program down in Alabama uh, where uh, they train alongside with other police uh, canines. Um, and and how, how we're going to be uh, using or, um, yeah, expanding our, our canine program is the second canine team will allow our first and second canine team to to expand their scope of services to actually reach out to the Catholic clinics, the Catholic Express Cares, the Catholic Urgent Cares, and our freestanding emergency department. Uh, so it's really going to be able to how can we expand the, those detection, de- deterrence, and de-escalation techniques and capabilities that we have to the areas where we need them. Uh, so really excited to be able to uh, meet our, our caregivers out there and our fluffy um, <laughs> friends will be out there um, patrolling and, and uh, giving a, a couple of licks and wags along the way. <laughs> so pause on the ground, as Jake calls it, will be sometime in a probably April-May time frame. And Jake Raleigh, Safety and Security Manager at Catholic Regional Medical Center. We have Colonel and Phil on patrol and in 2022, we can look forward to a second uh, a second team, named to be determined to be determined, uh, uh, assisting with the security forces uh, throughout the Catholic system. Jake, thanks for joining us. We'll be back with our remaining minutes of Catholic on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to our program. Throughout the program and on tonight and throughout the year, we have talked about the, the amazing role that, that health care Workers across the system have played um, not only those on the front line, but those the support the great work that has been done throughout this pandemic. And I, I keep uh, reiterating to people, if you don't realize the importance of having a strong health care system, uh, go through a pandemic. And I think it's certainly been illustrated many, 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 many times over in our community as well. And so uh, one of the things that we wanted to do was talk about the work that's being done uh, to replenish and augment and build the pipeline of healthcare workers for the people uh, coming on to the workforce scene. And we're happy to have with us Toby Sutton. He is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Catholic, as well as Providence St. Mary Medical Center in Walla Walla. And Toby, since he's come, I know you just come, been here only a few months, but I know it's been a huge priority priority of yours since you've been here to really uh, invigorate and, and build as best you can uh, the pipeline to keep quality people coming into the healthcare system. Talk a little bit about some of those initiatives. Yes. Um, yeah. Thanks, Jim, for having me again. And um, I always appreciate coming on and being able to talk some HR with you. Happy to have you. Um, one of the big things, yeah, like I said, when we were coming on, we, it was, we need, we know we needed to get staffed. And so that was number one priority for me. Um, and especially in a pandemic, we all know that this has been a huge challenge 
So building those pipelines back has been a strong, strong uh, piece of that puzzle. Um, what we're really trying to do is actually reinvigorate a lot of those programs that kind of fell to the wayside a little bit when, when the pandemic struck. So those relationships with colleges, with high schools, um, just trying to get those pipelines built, those that are potentially future caregivers in the healthcare industry, make sure that they at least have the information that they need to make well-informed decisions on what potential career opportunities are, are there for them. And are you finding that, you know, I know one of the challenges that the pandemic has brought is just people have gotten tired and, and the, the, the teams have been so, you know, so fatigued over this. But on the other hand, to me, it seems like um, for people in this field, one, there's tremendous opportunity to build a career. But two, you know, my experience with especially frontline caregivers is it's truly a calling. So if you want to enter it now, there's probably not a better time to enter the healthcare field. Yeah, absolutely. The um, right now is a great time to enter, but it's it's funny because everybody keeps talking about how we're living the time of the Great Resignation. But I don't necessarily see it that way. I, all the data and everything that I look at actually talks more about it's the, more of like a great reflection. So people are really looking back at um, what is my calling, where should I be, and it's funny because we're getting a lot of um, of new caregivers that are just saying. I was tired of my old career, it didn't give me meaning, and I wanted something that was more meaningful in my work, and they decided to go into healthcare just because it was a better calling for them personally. And certainly for people that are, want to be doctors and nurses and you know work on the clinical side, that's one thing, but, but one thing people probably don't realize is maybe to the point you just made, that you don't need to necessarily be clinically trained to work in healthcare, and that too can be just as rewarding. Yes. Um, you know, so many of our programs, we have so many programs to begin with just that are for producing professional development. So people can come in just straight from, from anything. You don't need to have an education. You don't have to have a clinical background. We have so many physicians. It takes an entire team to make, you know, healthcare work. And so it, we've had actually some great success stories of people who came in and worked in our nutrition um, delivering meals to patients around the hospital, and but they aspired to be a nurse, and they actually worked their way through using our tuition reimbursement programs to get to through nursing school, and now we actually have somebody in the ICU, which I believe was on your program before. Right, right. She started in the kitchen, got scholarship funding, and, and is now an intensive care unit nurse. We have just a couple of minutes left. Uh, maybe if there's somebody out listening, talk a little bit about how people can access the HR piece uh, to find out not only what's available, but I know you've been doing some even in-person, safe in-person hiring events, and I know that's on the docket for 2022 as well. Yeah, one of the one of the first things that I knew I took on from a, a strategic approach when I got here was the I wanted to get back to the grassroots because um, from a hiring ideology, we want potential and we want the right character people, the people that have that calling to help others. Um, we don't, and it's never been our ideology to buy people, and that's why we won't see tons of bonuses and all these things that healthcare, other healthcare industry are throwing out. But so we want the right people um, going forward. One, the way we connect with potential caregivers is in person, and we kind of lost that through the pandemic. So going into 2022, um, we're going to continue in-person hiring events. We did one here back at the end of October. Great success. We were able to connect and. Uh, actually did interviews with about 150 potential caregivers 
Um, 98 of those received second interviews, and a lot actually received um, job offers right there on the spot. Wow. So in 2022, we're going to continue that cadence, um, doing a quarterly in-person uh, hiring event. So the idea is to have those uh, in person where people can, as you mentioned, even get hired right there. It's not like you got to go through a three or four week process uh, to go through a hiring process. Yeah, that's correct. Um, the whole model is to be efficient. So we don't want to sit here and belabor it and belabor it. I mean, if somebody has a calling and they want to work in healthcare, and we we find that they're a great fit and we work together well. Um, why why postpone it? Let's make the offer now and let's make the agreement. Well, we will have you back on in January, but for people that have a pen and paper handy, I think, don't you have a January event scheduled? If so, when is it and, and where is it? Yes, yeah, so the January event is going to be January 19th. Um, that one is not going to be in person. It's actually going to be a virtual event. Okay. So um, our in-person event will be in February, but January 19th will be a virtual event. It's going to be specifically for registered nurses and respiratory therapists. And we're looking basically, um, they'll have a a software platform where they can come on, chat, ask questions. We can talk to them about the Tri-Cities and, you know, why it's a great place to raise a family, et cetera. And so that's that's going to be pretty exciting. And we're going to use some technology to kind of aid us a little bit. Um, January 19th. It'll be open. The chat site will be open from 10 a.m. till 8 p.m. on that day. And if you go to our social media, um, Facebook for uh, the Cadillac Facebook page, we'll be posting flyers that will actually have links that will take you directly into that program. Well, we will certainly make sure that uh, we continue to promote it through this program and bring you back in January, February, March, and April to keep this pressure on. Toby Sutton, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Have a great holiday, and we wish you all the best in filling that pipeline in the healthcare system. Thanks to you, and we'll talk again next Wednesday night.